Welcome to Church and Other Drugs. What's up? Skis, my, skis, skis. my name's Jed. Happy Halloween. I'm John, and I don't believe in Halloween for religious reasons. I just found out. I did a quick uh, search, and like, uh, it actually has like more Christian roots than it does pagan. So I'm very confused. Because like, well, All Hallows Eve is the right. day before All Saints Day. That's right. Yeah. So what are y'all tripping yeah. about, Christians? It's not. Well, it's it's celebrating the last day before of evil before All Saints Day or whatever. I think oh. that's kind of the 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 deal boy they got it oh that makes sense but i mean boy they got that wrong there's been evil <laughs> there's no last day what are you talking about well before all saints day i don't know i mean they get a lot of things wrong they yeah. do pretty much everything really we got a lot of things to talk about here people uh first off andrew shipman newest patreon Blech. that was bad but thank you <laughs> oh, andrew <laughs> Um, and he sent whoa, whoa, us a nice whoa. email, so he's lapping all you other fools. Like, y'all are terrible. Yeah, y'all's whack. Um, yeah, that was it. Oh, speaking of <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't, but um, speaking of pagan stuff, did you hear that Iceland is officially worshiping uh pagan gods again, Norse gods? What, like the whole country, everyone mm -hmm. in Iceland? No, but they're um. They're they got uh, like government funding to build a temple to the Norse gods and the there's like a head. government fund is funding it. Mm -hmm. That's kind of incredible. Yeah. Is it just like as a historical thing? Or are they like for real gonna? Worship? No, there's been like a slight. Apparently, there there's always been people that practice uh, Wodenism. What is it called? Um, Wokenism. No, <laughs> Wokenism. Yeah, that's half of Twitter right now is on the. <laughs> That's right. The religion of Wokenism. Uh, Odinism. But I think it's pronounced like Wodenism. I realize any of my Wodenist people out there are going to correct me. Like They're like, oh my god, he's ruining my god of thunder. Because there's so many of them, I'm sure, that listen to us. There's probably one. I mean, maybe. Maybe. Anything's possible. Yeah. But yeah, so... Alright, Iceland. <laughs> That's fascinating. Isn't it, though? Man, weird yeah. things are happening around the world true that boo they're taking apu away from the simpsons i know i should I have discussed this with debesh yeah i'm not the person but that's fine th hey, yeah what it's stupid though uh yeah i don't know well because they went back and i've seen a bunch of um of episodes with apu they've been showing clips of where he's saying like really amazing deep things Right. Like when he's like mentoring Lisa on like uh Hindu principles. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, know, but it's like that's the point of the show is like everybody's a stereotype. Like Homer is, is the stereotypical fat, lazy American dad. Right? Yeah, true that. That's true. But um, You're right, you're right, you're right. Whatever. You're right. I could be wrong. I am off You're off. But I think yeah, that's just too. like come on, like I don't know. Is it because come on? If it was a show that you didn't like, hadn't grown up with, if it, it would you be that upset about it, or is it because no, I like care? You have, right. I wish they so. would have just like canceled the show instead. Like, if you're getting to the point where like I don't know, I don't know what how I think about it. Yeah, I think you're in your feelings. Um, shout outs to Drizzy Drake because you uh, like it's part of your childhood, right? 
Yeah, so you're yeah. attached to the old, to the old, and you're resistant to the new because I guess it is super yeah. racist too. It's like uber racist. I mean, but like, but it's like, like I don't. Yeah, I don't like being challenged. <laughs> it's just so much easier to. I mean, Besh makes the. Oh yeah, but he's Indian. <laughs> I was trying to say he makes that voice every time he comes on here, but. I but guess, he can. But he can. Right. I'm just. I'm, yep. Well, damn it. <laughs> on to the next thing. So. <laughs> um. So I found out in the in a in a brief. Today I learned. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I found. Thanks for doing the song. We still don't have music for that, by the no. way. No, AJ is like a, a big time actor now. I know he's on that Burger King commercial. He is, dude. Yeah, that's right. Congregation. A he's former, crushing it. Yeah, he is crushing it, crushing it. But seriously, yep. I need you to fo- focus on the real important things, AJ. Like, I need my jingle, dog. I need my jingle. I need my jingle jangle. Uh, today I learned, so due to the overwhelming, like, popularity of shows like, uh, NCIS and, like, Criminal Minds, mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. the FBI hiring page, uh, <laughs> for special agents under the <laughs> FAQ, it, uh, it has, um, where people, uh, it says if you're asking about the one, the question is like, can I be an FBI, uh, profiler? Uh-huh. And the answer is like, despite some popular depictions, uh, FBI special, there's no such job as a quote profiler and FBI <laughs> agents do not get quote vibes or experience quote psychic flashes while walking around fresh crime scenes. <laughs> That's on the FBI website. FAQ. My question is, can I have some really obnoxious like sunglasses and rip them off of my face as I say really poorly written lines you just every time that have puns in them yeah you take off the sunglasses and just go my god that's right i need a catchphrase do i get a catchphrase if i'm an fbi agent period actually you do but you have to choose between a list of like 12 gotcha where it's like cool off or uh <laughs> he really used his head that time i guess he won't be finishing summer school <laughs> <laughs> Um, we gotta be quick cause John's be at quick. work, but, uh, so on the interview though, we're bringing back John Clint Mabry. If y'all remember him, uh, I don't remember what episode it was, but he was the, uh, amputee actor who was on like super bad and some other movies. <laughs> and, um, he works for American addiction centers. So he made a Facebook post about, um, uh, kind of vague about like a relapse and it, and it turns out that he got like a serious pornography addiction and went to treatment for it. And it's actually like, it turned out to be a really, 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 really awesome interview. So that's awesome. Yeah. So we're going to get to that. To work. Change your way. 
man um and uh for those joining us this is john mabry back on the show john thanks for coming back on man hey thanks so much for having me it's absolute honor and uh, humbling humbling to uh to get to come back and, and share some uh, updates to uh, my story so thank you yeah and, and it was it's been a a rough year i think for a lot of like friends of the show um there was actually uh kind of like our our sister podcast or whatever um one of the hosts of it's another recovery podcast uh dopey one of the hosts relapsed and overdosed and died um so it's just been a crazy year for people that we know uh in recovery um and so i hadn't seen much of you and then we saw your post on facebook um so I don't even know where to start, but I guess you if just fill us in what was going on. Okay, yeah. So let me give just the audience a quick snapshot if they haven't heard our previous interview. Yeah. Um, my name's uh, yeah, my name's John Mabry. Um, I am the director of public outreach for addiction campuses, and we operate uh, several um, residential treatment facilities around the country. And I'm the host of the high, of our uh, high sobriety podcast. Um, so folks can find find me there. My story real quick is a car accident in college. I had a friend die in it and had ended up losing my leg below the knee after 14 surgeries in a year. Got addicted to painkillers. Um, got a master's in counseling to try to help other people and uh, just kept getting deeper into other prescription medications and alcohol and marijuana uh, out in uh, Southern California at this point in time. And, uh, kind of found my way doing some acting and stunt work with to get my leg blown off and found there's a niche in the, in Hollywood for, you know, amputee roles. And so I moved up from San Diego to LA to, to do that and worked on movie super bad and NCIS and ER, and, uh, a bunch of other projects and commercials and videos and things. And all along had some kind of cocktail of substances, you know, going on behind the scenes and, uh, you know, within my system at all, almost at, at all points in time, just to cope with the, the, post-traumatic stress and things from my car accident. Then um, I found my brother dead from an overdose right after I, I man, I hit, hit a party, hard party at Playboy Mansion with Adam Sandler and uh, Emma Stone and these, you know, A-list people and thought I was on top of the world. And I found my brother dead from an overdose in his Beverly Hills home. And so uh, it took me about three years after that to get it to admit that I had issues. And it has not been a, you know, just a, a smooth ride since 2011 getting into recovery i've had a number of relapses but man i hit i hit a, a, a new beginning about three years ago almost three years ago when i went to one of addiction campuses facilities one of our facilities and i, I had such a, a compassionate uh set of um staff around me that were far and above more compassionate and caring than the other treatment centers that i'd been to that i wanted to come work for the company as soon as i got out which one and did so you go to i started off on I went to, so we have four. There's one in Massachusetts, Ohio, um, right outside of Memphis. It's in South Haven, Mississippi, like 10 minutes from the Memphis airport, just over the uh, Mississippi border. And then I went to our Dallas area facility called the Treehouse. Okay, yeah. And uh, our facilities, we've got, you know, zipline courses and fishing and, you know, cooking classes and, you know, art therapy and all those things that, that you would want if you were, you know, at, could, could pick an ideal place to go to. 
Um, but then on top, and other facilities have that too, right? You know, we have equine therapy and all that. But then again, it comes down to the staff uh, oh, set, yeah. set this company apart from the other ones. So uh, I started off on the phones, uh, taking taking phone calls from folks, and and then it built into, hey, I'm gonna go share my story a little bit out at some churches, some local churches and schools, and then it's turned into a full time uh, opportunity to share my story uh, publicly. And so we came out and been sharing it publicly for a few years now. And then I've got, let's see, what else do we do? The podcast, high sobriety podcast, and then drug free workplace program. I go into in businesses and uh, show them. Um, that a real cause of addiction. There's a theory uh, called that's based on disconnect. When when we as individuals are disconnected from from others, from meaningful work, from meaningful relationships, from a higher power, then we open ourselves up to uh, that addiction coming in and, and filling that void. And I I working in the industry for the last two and a half, close to three years, um, became susceptible to that myself. I was looking to my work. I was looking for my work to be my recovery program. Yeah that was ultimately my, my big mistake. And I wasn't being uh, rigorously honest. So, um, man, it was so hard to admit. So I wasn't doing drugs or alcohol this time. I started, um, I, I needed a sense of control cause we got, you know, some, some issues going on with uh, marriage and, mm-hmm. uh, and my own issues going on. And so I found some sense of control in pornography, <clears throat> just a little bit here, a little bit there, no big deal. And then it started progressing, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more. And again, I, I started to feel a sense of disconnection and I, and I wasn't doing as much as I should have been doing, working with my sponsor, going to enough meetings, doing the things that kept me sober for two and a half years. Um, and I started to feel disconnected and I thought I could do it. I thought I could just like, Hey, it'll come around. It'll be okay. And I started, you know, getting, advice from my wife or suggestions from my wife that maybe this is something I, I could get some inpatient treatment for. And I was resistant to it. I said, no, what are you talking about? And she reminded me that this has been something that's been in and out of our, our 14 year marriage. I mean, it's something that really, you know, started before our marriage and it's so common, I think for, for folks to, it's so easily accessible it's on our, you know, we have it on our phones anytime, day or night, if, if we, if we so choose. And then there's the shame piece behind it that you don't want to talk about it. It's one thing to talk about drugs and alcohol, but then you talk about sex or pornography. And that's a whole other level of intimacy uh, that, that you have to admit to and share with somebody else. It's a whole other level. It's a deeper level of rigorous honesty sure. uh, in my experience. And it was scary to come out and say, dude, maybe, maybe I do need help. Maybe it's not completely destroying my life. I'm not out like you know, seeking prostitutes or I wasn't texting other, other females. I was, I didn't have any apps downloaded on my phone that I was, you know, dating apps. It was just, um, just enough to, you know, I was feeling restless, irritable, and discontent. And it was something that was filling that. And if I look at my drug and alcohol history, it would only progress if I didn't stop or if I didn't reach out for help, it's only going to start getting worse. And so I finally threw my hands up in the air about, 42 days ago and called my boss and said, Hey, look, I've got an issue and assuming from pornography. And I think I need to go get help for it before it gets out of hand and before it leads to worse stuff. And, um, he said, absolutely go. We support you. We'll hold your job. Go, go get taken care of. Um, unfortunately I couldn't go to one of our facilities. Um, since we didn't, we don't offer uh, sex and love tracks at our, uh, treatment facilities. However, what was great is if somebody's listening and they're looking for help for any kind of gambling, you know, sex, uh, 
you know, no matter what it is, food, if we don't have a facility that offers that, we uh, can help you find the best facility for you. So we take between 10 and 15,000 calls a month, and we only have four treatment centers. So we're helping people get into other facilities more than we are helping people get into our own. And um, that's just, it's, that's not always the case in the industry that people are willing to spend their time and resources to help people if it's not going to benefit the company directly, you know, immediately. But again, our, our compassionate um, staff is willing to um, help folks out. So I was able to go to find a, a great facility that was recommended by our staff. And um, I learned there, man, I started learning that seeing how bad other people's addictions were getting in the sex and love realm that mine was all, mine could have only gotten worse. It wasn't going to get better on its own. It was only going to get worse over time if left untreated. And um, I, I firmly believe that. And so I'm, I'm okay talking about it. I'm okay saying, hey, man, I don't have all the answers. I, I even talk about addiction on a you know weekly basis out in public and on my podcast. And I'm encouraging people to get help. And, yes, I had something else that was, wasn't my primary addiction necessarily, my, my primary drug of choice, but it was a drug of choice. And so um, it's humbling to be able to be, be here and speak with you about my truth. And, um, uh, and it's a ongoing, ongoing learning process, this recovery thing. Did it ever? Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I just um, I actually, for, I, I just picked up my four years. Um, and when I spoke this time, whatever reason I, I try to just empty out as best I can and just speak about whatever um I try not to do the thing where I map out what I'm going to speak and try to let be led or whatever you want to call it and I talked a lot more about um pornography this time around um which is kind of interesting um yeah did it did you find yourself because obviously the it's so accepted it's one of the things that's like sleeping around in pornography is is ex- extremely it's either accepted or just looked over in the recovery community especially in like male sober living houses um i've even had counselors like give that advice like look just go look at some porn you know don't sleep around or whatever and that was like literally the <laughs> okay advice. yeah um but i have absolutely seen so in my own case there was when I got, like, I had one point in my life where it, where I would say it was my primary drug of choice where I was just absolutely um, in a pornography addiction, um, and that was when I had gotten out of prison, and at that point in my life, God had removed the desire to use drugs or alcohol, like, almost supernaturally, like, it, it hasn't happened since then, but instead of taking that gift and you know, going to meetings and helping people, I just was very arrogant about it. And I was like, oh, okay, like I'm cured. And then slowly but surely, um, pornography snuck in. And it was, I mean, the parallels to it were incredible as far as like the uh, repetition, the routine, the ritual. Yeah, and, and then, I mean, you noticed, I mean, in, almost akin to a hit of cocaine i mean it's like the it's equally as damaging too did did you notice for yourself that it ever did the feelings of guilt or shame or did the that act of addiction itself ever were you thinking about doing other things 
Yeah, no, it definitely had uh, guilt and uh, guilt and shame tied to it. Um, just like if I was, you know, drinking or popping pills and not letting anybody know about it, it, you know, similarly had that that same kind of, you know, heaviness afterwards. It's kind of like, oh, it fills a void for a few seconds, and then afterwards, it's like, crap, how did that happen? Like, how, you know. How, how did I let that happen again when I said I wasn't going to do that? Yeah, immediately. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's got a life, yeah, it's got a life of its own, and just like drugs or alcohol, next thing you know, you're pulling into the liquor store. You know, how did I get here? I don't know. Yeah, call anybody. Is yeah. I talking anybody? Have I been going to meetings? Well, no. Well, that's a good good start. How it happened. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely felt uh, felt guilt and shame, and uh, kind of, like I said, a filthiness, dirtiness to me. That I know I'm, it's not serving me well. It's not serving me, you know, in my spiritual walk and my marriage. Uh, profession. Did it make Did it so, make you want to drink or use? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. where, like, where? Because this is this is the because I'm a I'm a counselor now too, and and my friend's in his. Uh, doctorate program to be a psychiatrist and then um another friend of the show besh he's he's getting his uh phd in addiction it is so different um if you like if i just think that doing my job for my recovery i'm so screwed because it's like it's it, it took me a while to realize that i have to do much more now in addition to my job because it's and especially yeah. if, if you're, I feel like if you're called into like the counseling field or whatever, you, you're very empathetic. And so I take on a lot of what I hear about and the things I'm, and I can give great advice, but then like when it comes to me taking it, it's a whole different story. So true. And you don't have to be a counselor or a PhD in, in addiction to, um, to feel that even if you're just working your normal job sure. and you think that, Hey, you know what? Hey, I got the family back. I got some paychecks coming in. Um, we got some bills paid off. We got caught up on some bills and the family is stable, you know, and that, that's kind of the mindset that I had, whether I work in the field or not, I was like, man, I'm doing all this stuff at home. I'm really, you know, helping out with the kids. I'm doing laundry. I'm going grocery shopping. I was like, look at all this stuff I'm doing. But I wasn't working on just me. I wasn't taking that to go work on me. I wasn't going to my therapist mm. anymore. I'm like, oh, I've been to therapy for years. You know, I was making some progress and, you know, tapered off on the meetings, tapered off on the therapy appointments, um, tapered off on the, on the phone calls and, and, Here's another thing that that really hurt me is having a core group of guys in recovery. And here's what came out in in my recent uh, 30 day stay out at uh, the facility that I just recently went to was um, doing some past kind of trauma work. I realized during my car accident, I was a senior in college and I was really involved in my fraternity. And my girlfriend was the fraternity sweetheart and I was the social chairman. And then I had this car accident and um, I have to move home back to my parents three hours away from school. I got to move back into my parents' house in a hospital bed in my dad's home office. Couldn't even go to the bathroom on my own, you know. And a couple months go by, and I realized I'm talking to one of my fraternity brothers, and because just a few of them would, would call and check in on a regular basis, and they would kind of report back to, you know, weekly or bi 
fraternity meetings, hey, John's going in for surgery again, or he's, he's doing better, he's doing great, he's, he's in good spirits. But I told my friend Nick, I said, Nick, did you know fraternity didn't send me anything? Like, nothing? Like, I didn't get flowers, I didn't get a card, I didn't get anything from the group of guys that I considered, you know, my, my best support system. And so through that, I was so hurt by it. You know, a couple months later, I ended up getting this big banner that everybody signed. And then I, I kind of threw it in the, threw it in the corner because I'm like, well, it doesn't count now because I asked I ask for something. <laughs> right. But what, ended up, what I learned in treatment is that that had a, had a huge effect on me um, for the last 18 years that I really resist letting a group of guys in, letting, hmm. you know, letting anybody in other than like a sponsor on a consistent basis and be honest with them because I'm afraid that they're not going to come through for me when the crap hits the fan. Oh, wow. So why invest in them or wh why let them get to know me? Why become vulnerable? Because they're not going to be there when I really need them. Well, yeah. So that's been a big, a big hindrance and a big hole in my recovery that I was able to uncover this uh, th after this relapse was that, dude, I'm, I'm operating under an old, uh, a set of beliefs that isn't serving me well. And that's that, Guy, people aren't going to be there for me, so I just don't even let them in, and I, I need to do some work, you know, work around that, and, uh, and allow myself to to open up to the to the idea of letting more more folks in. Oh yeah. Um, so that I'm not just relying on on one person. If I'm just going to you know relying on just my sponsor, then one, I don't want to call him all the time and tell him all of my problems because then he's going to get overwhelmed and he's got you know he's sponsoring other people and he's got a life. Um, but <clears throat> so. You know, if anybody can relate to that out there, that's something that um, I'm speaking speak from experience that uh, you, you got to you got to have more than just one person that, that you can go to. Oh, yeah. That, that did not help me. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And it's so I mean, that's the unity part. And I mean, that's the step 12 part. That's the the whole one of the big cruxes that I always uh tell people and I was blessed this time around with because it doesn't always happen that way but when I got sober it was me and um the guys that ended up being uh all my best men in my wedding but it, we were all in a sober house together and um we you know we're all still sober or at least in contact and we all you know go to the same book study and we're on a softball team and we're just very 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 close all we're all wow uh, that. yeah and and I've even got oh that's awesome I've got Let's see, there's, when I went to rehab in 2005, there's about five of us that are have kept in contact the whole time. One of them stayed sober, he's been sober the whole time, and the rest of us have kind of gone in and out, but now we're all living in the same city again. It's it's really crazy, and it's it's kind of rare, but it's, we would not be here if it wasn't for each other. Like, we've had to pull each other out of uh, sketchy situations. We're all friends with each other's parents. Like, it's just a really cool thing. Dude, let me ask you this. Um, before we go any further, congratulations on four years, man. That is Thank incredible. You. Great, great job. That's awesome. Um, really, uh, great, great job, dude. That's hard to do. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but, so I'm living in a sober living home. Here's another, another piece of my, my truth right now is, you know, we've got a nice place down in Williamson County uh, here in the Nashville area. Williamson County is like the 16th or 18th highest income county in the United States. And so there's a, you know, a expectation uh, when you live in that county. And here I am working for addiction treatment centers, speaking publicly about it all, about my story. And then here I go back to back to rehab. And I'm living in a sober living house right now in Nashville. 
um, with the assigned a three month contract and I may need to go longer. I'm not sure, but we'll just go take it a day at a time. Sure. But again, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to do what I got to do for me. And in the past, I've done it to try to save the marriage. I've done it in the past to try to, you know, put, not put the kids out. Um, I've done it to save a job or to rebound from losing a job. And I want people to know that I'm, I, can, I can get through this. This is the very first time I've actually done it completely for me. And I'm not so concerned about what the outcome is going to be with the marriage. Um, that can go either way at this point. And, but I, I don't really care right now as of today. All I care about is just staying sober for me. Sure. Because if, if, if I go to do it to try to save the marriage and I move back home and I'm just there to what I was doing, kind of white knuckling it in a way of, let me, let me just try to do things around the house. Let me do things for the family. Let me, yeah. let me go again, like I was saying, grocery shopping and laundry. Let me do these things for the family. But I'm not going stepping away to go to my meetings, and I'm not. I'm putting pressure on myself to perform at home, so that I can save, you know, the kids from being negatively affected by, uh, by my, you know, um, times when I've been active uh, alcoholism and addiction. Then, then I'm, I'm good. Then I'm no good to anybody, mm-hmm. and I'm back in, you know, rehab and, and sober living like I am now. But you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. It's all right. It's all right, and it's just kind of uh, I'm accepting of it. But let me ask you this. So I'm living with a, a guy that's never been to treatment before. He, and he's been to IOP, and then he stepped away from his, his – he's going through a, a separation with his wife and and, a, and young family. But he's like, man, in IOP, nobody that I call from IOP calls me back anymore. Like we had this little face call each other and talk to each other, and everybody just kind of trickles yep. off. And so have you – I know that for me and most treat, – I've, I've been to treatment five times now. Every single time we've gone to treatment or IOP, it's like a 5% chance or 10% chance that you're going to stay in touch with the people that you're sharing your most intimate details of your life with. Um, That's been my experience, and it hasn't served me any good to not stay in touch with these people. Because look at you. Look, You did a completely opposite thing that I've done, and you've stayed intimately close with with these folks, and you've been sober four years. Have you seen? Do you see that quite a bit in in your uh, in your your circles where people oh, don't yeah. well, follow up with each me, other and me, people tend to go back out? Important caveat in that that is one out of eighteen treatment centers. So, like, uh, yeah, man. I mean, there I've probably met. Gosh, got to be in the got to be in the thousands of of people, at least upper hundreds. Um, and the vast majority uh, don't stay in touch with. Granted, with it's easier nowadays with Facebook and that, I mean, typically what happens, and a lot of times it was it was bad, is that I would my, like I had to be real, I had to learn to be really choosy. I would meet up with someone I just got out of treatment with, and then we would just turn into the all star team of drug addicts, and like we would we two weeks, and then one of you know I'd call him one day, and he'd be high, and I'd be like, well, okay, well then I guess I'll just get high with you. Um, and then the other thing that happened is people started dying and so I got really I put up my walls and I was like I don't want to get to know you because you're probably going to die and I'm tired of dealing with that which was a really terrible attitude on my part but there was a period of my life where I was really angry and bitter at the whole situation um and so the, this time this time around I was way more open to it and 
you know what what happened is a lot of people came and went but they knew i made sure they knew that i was not the one that was going to judge and so i try to be that guy that like look i don't care if you're struggling i'm not gonna like preach to you if you call me um just keep Hmm. in touch and I, i try to make sure that i project that so that you know so that i can stay in touch with people but i would say as a vast majority that's most people are gonna fall away you know and you get that whole like yeah "Yeah, man we'll we'll keep in touch yeah i'm gonna call you we're gonna hang out when we get out and then it's like nah not not a lot but you know you gotta try i think yeah and i'm glad we're talking about this because i need to call a guy that that was in my group um last month and we've we've only talked once we got out at different times so we've only talked once but um, he's somebody that, that we both really connected really deeply with. And, um, I, uh, you know, we've got to be, I have to be really conscious about reaching out. Yes. Otherwise it's so easy. We, he's out in California and I'm in, I'm in Nashville. So, uh, we're not physically close by each other, but we can still stay in touch. And I mean, I've got to really be conscious about maintaining and, and building those, uh, relationships after, after treatment. Otherwise it's so easy for, it's for it so to go away. Easy. Even if you just send them an mm. aggravating text of just like, "Hey, just checking on you. How you doing?" Because um, yeah. I've got one guy in particular, and that's it's reminding me I need to check up on him. But and this would this is a guy from when I was seventeen, and I, w- I went to treatment with. And every so often he'll just message me, and either he usually it's kind of when he's high or down in the dumps or when he's coming off of a relapse, and he's like, "Man, I really need to get sober," and that's kind of all he'll say. And so I just keep in touch with him, but. Yeah, it's. I mean, you never know. You never know. I guess. I guess it's our job just to just to be there. It's like like you said. It's it's not my job to plan the outcome, um, but to just be available. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of hitting me. Uh, yeah, I'm, pro- I'm probably gonna message him when that's I get hard off. Lesson to, that's a hard it. lesson to like. Hard lesson to uh to to do consistently. Oh To yeah. not not worry about the outcome. And and then especially too, I've found that since I'm a counselor now, um, when I get home from work, dude, I'm tired of counseling people. I'm tired of talking to people. By the time six o'clock rolls around, I'm ready for me time, um, and that's usually when when people will call me. And so it's it's just all about balance. And it's you know I get a little, I need to always remember where I came from and that I was the person that needed help and, and who the hell am I to, to all of a sudden I don't have time. Like, come on, man. And I'm telling this to myself. So it's like, I just need to, it's just a constant battle of, I guess re- relying on God for my energy and, and compassion and stuff. Cause like compassion fatigue is a, is a real thing. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it is tough, but, Thing, I mean, that's you know, things like this always relight that fire. But did you notice too? Mm-hmm. Like, did was your connection to God getting hazy or skewed the more you went into porn? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. What yeah. what did that Pray, look prayers. like for you? Um, I usually say the third step prayer before even getting out of bed and just asking God to, um, you know, see me through the day. And then 
man, you know, it's just, you know, then I end up, I'm, I'm getting to bed later than usual. So I'm sleeping in a little bit later than usual. And so when I get up, I'm in more of a hurry. So I'm not reading my literature in the morning. So I get this email. Um, there's a guy out of the Nashville area here who set up this listserv and he just did it for like some friends several years ago is what I heard. And it's called daily ponderables. And he's got like, um, 24, like a daily, like the daily reflections in it. He's got a piece from the AA book. He's got, there's another little section. You just scroll down the email. There's no section out of the NA book. There's a, usually a small little quote or a little uh, thing on mindfulness or meditation, kind of Buddhism approach. And then there's a native American kind of quote or uh, saying or, or phrase. Um, and so it's just, it's just kind of a cool thing to look at every morning and you get a little touch of all these different, you know, spiritual aspects of, uh, you know, of, uh, the program. And so, you know, then I'm, I'm not, I'm not reading those in the morning yeah. or I used to scroll down and read all of them. And now I'm just reading the top one. Let me just read the first one. And that's good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I did something today. It's better than nothing, but yeah, yep. it's not enough. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't as spiritual, you know, fulfilling spiritually as it, as it needed to be. And, you know, we, I'm just, just like every, just like so many other people's stories, just kind of slowly just kind of start tapering off of, of what, what got you there. I mean, it's, if you work out yes. and you're in great shape and you quit working out, you know, say you're working out five days a week and they start doing four days and then three days and then your diet starts to, eh. Next yep. thing you know, you look you look in the mirror, you know, six months, a year later, you look in the mirror and go, how the heck did I get here? Yeah. Um, uh, it just kind of sneaks up on you. It's so, and that's how, whenever I start thinking, whenever I start thinking, like, is alcoholism even real? That's, it's like, well, the, then I'm like, oh my God, like the, the, the symptoms and everything, all the stories are just exactly the same. And it's like, yep, I definitely have whatever it is that it is, but I definitely got it. Um, because it's just like, I relate to it just so much. Yeah. I'm, I'm on quite a few of those uh text threads and email lists too and it's just like i will notice it's like i don't have to you know i don't need to read it today and then getting out of bed a little late exactly um man and i've mm -hmm. i've found in that i was gonna i i, I kind of want to get to because i tried to sponsor a guy on porn specifically but it, it's porn it, the, the difference in porn and, and it was for me too was <laughs> When the urge would, when the urge or the obsession would strike me, it was like more. So if if I get a craving to use, it'll go away. When I got an obsession or a craving to look at porn, it would not go away unless I did it. And it was like there was nothing. I in the back mm -hmm. of my head, and I guess I'm speaking for when I was like in it and and uh, in the throes of mm -hmm. it. I knew that I could pray to God to ask to remove it, but it was like, there was no way I was doing that prayer. It was like, I, I would have that thought of like, you know, you could pray to get rid of this, but you're not going to just pray for forgiveness when you're done. And it was like, I, yeah. it was like, I did not know how to beat it. And then I realized that when I was trying to sponsor this guy, I was like, it's similar, but it is it is it's it is a whole different monster, and so I was wondering what did they teach? Like, what methods have you found? How did you specifically address porn? Great question, great question. Yes, I can totally relate to that. 
it's almost like when the, yeah, when the urge is there, there's no, there's no hope. There's no going back. No. Um, and you're absolutely right. So as this became, uh, more and more an issue over the last, uh, you know, six months or so prior to going into getting help, um, I was talking to my sponsor about it and I said, Hey, I got this issue, you know, it's causing problems in the marriage. I think I might need to do some work around it. And he gave me a couple of kind of a quasi assignments, but I didn't really do them. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I could go to my AA sponsor and talk to him about, you know, drugs and alcohol. Those kind of, to me, fall into a similar category. But the pornography and sex stuff is, in my experience, a different animal. Mm-hmm. And it is something that's um, a, a deeper level of uh, intimacy and uh, a pull, emotional, mental, you know, non-spiritual, you know, uh, pull to... Um, to cope, to cope with, you know, life's not, not coping with life on life's terms. So, yeah, so that was, that was scary to go, man, my A, a sponsor can't help me with this. This, that's another reason why I was like, I think I need to go get specific help for this issue. Yeah. So one thing that I have one, one solution is, Oh man, this is a big one. Uh, I have a flip phone. Oh, wow. imagine living, wow. imagine living without a smartphone in today's world. Um, now, I do have to say, at the end, and that's a requirement of the sober, sober living house that I'm in. And I did not like it at first. I'm like, uh-uh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it. Is, it, do it. is that a requirement now, just for you or everyone? For everyone. Wow. For everyone in the house. Uh, but I know a guy that I was in the program with, a guy that I had referred to earlier in California that I need to touch base with. Uh, his, his girlfriend was, he and his girlfriend were going to be talking during the family week about him having a smartphone. And I mean, he's like he he's like pres, vice president of operations for a, a company that made that sold twenty million dollars worth of product last year. Uh, it's his dad's company, and so he oversees you know forty people, thirty forty people. And so for him to have a flip phone, I mean, that's a huge that's a huge blow. It's a blow yeah. to the ego. <laughs> uh, and it's a blow to the you know uh, to your business. But there are ways around it. And um, I, I wouldn't have voluntarily said I need to give up my phone, but I chose this sober living house because it had some good structure that I know that I needed. Um, another one's no car for 30 days. Um, so I don't have a car for 30 days. I have to rely on asking for help. Yeah. I have to rely on, um, hey, man, maybe I need, yeah, again, another ego kind of busting thing. And um, it's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to not have access to all the conveniences that I need, but I'm sober today. And um, so I do have uh, my, I do have my, I got my phone for during work hours, uh, so I, I was able to get access to my smartphone for work hours because I, I just I can't operate if I'm away from the office or away from my desk without it, mm-hmm. um, and maintain you know the the awesomeness that we do here at Addiction Campuses and, and get people <laughs> immediate help when they need it. Um, but nights and weekends, uh, uh, I'm on I'm on a flip phone, and so that's a that's a great start because it really does when you don't have it right sitting in your pocket. To me, yeah, that, no. that's a big. That's and then I get all that time, and then I start re- now. I'm realizing at the sober living at nights and weekends, I'm having more conversations with people. I'm looking up less stupid things that I don't have to look up. You know, what was the score to the, you know, to the, you know, whatever, you know, ball game? I don't really need to know that, but if it's sitting in my pocket, yeah, I'm gonna look at it. And then I go to my phone to look up one simple thing. Next thing you know, 15 minutes have gone by, and I'm and I'm on some porn site. How did that happen? So just not even having it in my pocket is. Is, is been a good one uh, yeah, you're convicting I, me i would highly recommend it to people <laughs> i know Damn i recommend it. it to people it's a hard one to do but it is possible 
I know. Uh, but I don't think I could do it alone. I couldn't do it without help. So if somebody's out there that's listening to going, man, what? Me give up my phone so that you get a flip phone? You, don't, you may not be able to do it alone. And that's where you can get into a, uh, you know, re- recovery program. Uh, SA is, you know, uh, sex synonymous, sexaholic synonymous. There's SAA, which is, uh, what is that? Uh, sex, uh, what's that stand for? Sex Addicts Anonymous. Yeah, yeah. Um, then there's Sex and Love Anonymous. So there's different. That's that's another. Hair, no, I would say hairy element. Another confusing element for me looking at the the sex and the porn stuff over AA. Is that alcohol? AA. You got that. You got a drug problem. You go to NA. But for SA, because it's it's so different for it's different for everybody that there's different levels of twelve step programs within that under that umbrella. And so I'm in the process. That's one one thing I haven't done yet is decide which one I want to go to because some of them um, operate under a different set of rules. Like SA is more hardcore. Uh, the you know the very um, that was the beginning of the SA you know sex anonymous program, and so it's very rigorous. It's there's like no masturbation, there's no no sex outside of marriage. Which if you're not married or you're dating somebody, they're saying you know that's that that's not acceptable. Um, then SAA is a little more relaxed. It's a little more, you can work with your sponsor to say, Hey, here's a, these are things that I consider relapse. If you don't consider masturbation by yourself, you know, uh, a relapse, then you can set that as your standard. Now sure. you could set it as, well, if I masturbate to pornography, then that's a relapse or I can masturbate to pornography, but as long as I'm not, uh, having in a physical relationship with somebody or as long as I'm not, you know, calling prostitutes and looking at Tinder, then that's, then, yeah. then I'm not in a relapse mode. So it's a little more uh, customizable, I guess you'd say. Um, and then SLA, from what I hear, I haven't been to any meetings, but it's a little bit more sex and love and honest, or maybe, maybe sex isn't your issue, but it's love and intimacy. Hey, I need attention from somebody else to make me feel complete. Yeah. And more so, of a codependent piece. Yeah, exactly. So I'm yeah. still learning that kind of stuff. I'm not, I'm only out of out of treatment two weeks, and so I'm still. Um, meet, those meetings are fewer and farther between than AA and NA here in my area, and plus I don't have a car. Um, the house managers at the house I'm at can you know drive us drive me to work, pick me up from work, uh, take me around town for you know errands or doctor's appointment or therapy appointments. But um, we also have programming at the house in the, in the evenings where we have certain things that we have to do required to do. So. Meetings are a little sparse right now on the on the SA front, um, but I have hit a couple. And then there's telemeetings. There's actually yeah, you can go online and look for telemeeting where you can where you can call in on on a call and just hear a meeting over the phone. So yeah, those that are, way. yeah, those are becoming more and more viable, which is cool. No, and and I think you're doing the I think the big and that's the first thing I tell people struggling with porn is that the first things first is you have to detox. Like, and, and then, and, and that will make yeah. it phenomenally easier if you can get like a good, you know, 30, 60, 90 days completely clean to where you, you have the power of choice again, like it's going to be a lot easier, but trying to just with a phone and laptop and everything, trying to just muscle through it is just like, oh, good, it's like good impossible. Luck. Yeah. It's next to impossible. I mean, it would have been, it would have been impossible for me to have any kind of, you know, consistency, uh, or detox. Like you say, detox is a great way to look at it. Just like drugs and alcohol, you gotta go detox. 
and your mind and your body go through, you know, withdrawals like, oh, Croy, what am I going to do with my time now? I don't, I don't want to, now I got to go deal with me again. Well, I'm not drinking or drug, and that's where drinking and drugging can come back in. Yep. I think for folks is if you're like, man, porn and sex is getting out of control for me. I've been seeking relationships outside of my, you know, girlfriend or boyfriend or, or spouse. And I, okay, I really need to stop that. I'm going to get myself in big trouble and I'm spending way too much money or time. And then you pull away from that. Well, now you got that void that you've created, you know, in my, my opinion, in my experience, a spiritual void. Well, then you, then I open myself up to filling it with the drugs and the alcohol again. So, um, it's not something I could do alone and it would absolutely would have been impossible to, to stop and detox without stepping aside and getting some kind of help. So yeah, glad and, I did. And, and yeah. And, and kind of wrapping it up, I'm, I'm super, um, thankful for you. And I think this was a great conversation. And I think I, how I've seen, God work in my life and I, and I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that it's going to be for you is that like I mean you, now you know whether we wanted to or not now you are going to be uniquely equipped to handle this specific uh need in other people um and there are going to be many I think this is you know as the future goes on I think this problem is going to get especially in within Porn addiction within the world of recovery, I think, is going to be a bigger and bigger issue as time goes on. And, I, you know, now you are going to be intimately mm-hmm. and uniquely equipped to help other people, man. And so I'm 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 glad for that for you. I, I think that's what is going to come out of this. Um, I've, I've already seen that just with me, um, just with people that that know that I, I can help at least steer you in the right direction with that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, man, I, I, I'm, this is a very, very cool conversation. I'm definitely going to uh, text you my number. So if you, if you ever need anything, man, don't, don't hesitate. Oh, thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. And great, great job for, uh, for speaking out on, you know, being humble and, and honest um, with your audience, with yourself, first and foremost, with yourself. Uh, that you got to be honest with. And so good for you, man. Thanks for uh, being a leader out there. You do awesome work. I'm, I'm proud to know you. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, John, I will uh, talk to you soon. And, and as soon as I hang up here, I'm, I'm going to text you my number. Okay, don't hesitate to use it. All right, buddy? All right. Hey, can I say one last thing? If, yeah, uh, Anybody's looking for, for, for help from um, addiction campuses, uh, again, we place people in treatment all across the country. And um, if you're looking for IOP or 12-step meetings, anything like that, we can. We have trained specialists to help you. And our number is 888-614-2251. Again, Addiction Campuses or addictioncampuses.com. And the number is 888-614-2251. If you're dealing with an issue, can't go through it alone, uh, reach out for help in one form or another. Let Jed Jed know you're looking for help or uh, or contact Addiction Campuses. and so thank you so much for the opportunity to be on the show. Yeah. And send me um send me a um a bunch of links and I'll post them in the show notes. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah. All right, yeah, I'll put my uh, social media um handles in there as well. Yeah. So I'm, I'm at John John Clint Mabry at John Clint Mabry on, on all, all platforms. So I'll send that to you for the show notes. All right. Well I'll talk to you soon. Cool, John. man. Keep up the great work. God bless. All right. You too. Bye. All right, bye. 
I thought it was so good, dude. What do you think about the porn addictions these days? Um, I think it's just a matter of willpower and that right. you're probably just like a bad person if you yeah. can't stop. You, you, you know what I mean? You summed it up. I think I'm going to go make a selfie video in my truck in the Walmart parking lot talking about how porn addiction isn't a disease. Addiction is not a disease. Yeah. Let me tell you, this is what I told my buddy. Oh yeah, that like big muscle bound dude. That video, he's like, I told my friend, you just need to quit doing them drugs. Fuck That's that right. dude. Yeah, I hate that guy. Um, no, nah, it was good though, man. Uh, John, we're rooting for you. Thanks for coming back on the show. Um, now on to other less cool, John. Uh, how about them Gators? <laughs> <laughs> we beat, I left we you beat alone. The Tigers. Yeah, you did. Which we is beat LSU, bullshit. so shut and it. And then we beat Georgia, and then Georgia beat y'all. That's how the SEC goes. It dude. is, bro. We that's, still that's beat you football. handedly. So and I was at the game, and it was one of the best moments of my life. So you'll never take it from me. I don't. I don't want to take it from you. I did kind of. Well, wish, you can't. I did kind of. Well, I'm not even going to say that. The climate is too hot for me to make any kind of jokes about death or anything i don't like that i don't think i like it i don't like it one bit well i don't like the times that we're living in it's, i don't either i don't either how long it's nar nar how long now do you give it before there's some like sweeping laws put in place like just just thought experiment and guessing like some sort of like gun laws or some kind of massive change like do you think that is going to happen? Because this shit is happening like so no. regularly now. I don't think that's going to happen ever. Mm, I think it'll be sl- a slow, a slow burn, just because that's how our government operates. So, like ten years. In ten years, we'll be living in a different America. That's for sure. I don't know what that looks like. Do you think it'll be good? But... I. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I, I don't. Who am I? Who am I to say what's good and bad, though? I know. I'm, I'm just just your personal opinion. Um, I think it'll be different. I have no idea. I I'm so I'm just been so confused since Trump got elected. Period. That like I don't know up from down anymore. I don't know if it's good or bad. I have no zero idea what's gonna happen next. Like I said, man, maybe the world did end on December twenty first, two thousand twelve. And we've just been in some crazy ass alternate reality. That's what's happening. We're in the alternate universe. We are in Shop. the bizarro world. Absolutely, the simulation is is starting to unravel. Oh yeah, totally. It's oh. like somebody was supposed to pull us out by now, but they didn't finish their mission, and the computer program is like losing battery power or something. <laughs> or it's like a new intern, and he's just like, <laughs> "This would be hilarious." <laughs> or like... he's just like getting blunted and writing new scripts. <laughs> all, all the all the hurricanes are from him taking mad bong rips. That's right. That's oh, right. That's hilarious. Kind of. <laughs> if it wasn't true so in in another way i know we're in bizarro world so the 
God, dude, opiate manufacturers can just they can just f off and die for all I care, dude. So there, there's another new super five hundred times more potent drug coming out. Than hey yo, that's yeah, what I'm talking dude. about. I mean, what? What? <laughs> like, <laughs> why, dude? Why? It's a I don't know, why is it needed? Like, why exactly. is it needed? Exactly, and it's like this. It's a. It already. It's like. It comes in this like liquid dispenser that you put under your tongue, and it's it's just like a new form. Oh of my lord! I know, dude. Like, it's like shame, what like honestly, shame on you, dude. It doesn't take like a rocket scientist or an addiction specialist to sit. Like honestly, shame on you, drug companies. And they're saying the same shit that they said like about OxyContin. Like all the interviews, they're like, I mean, really, like wait for wait. It's not like that strong. Da 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 da. Well, of course, I'm gonna take seven of them. Like, yeah, dumb. good lord, just shut up. I they know and they know. That's the thing. Like at this point, it's not. You can't plead innocence. No. Not even close. Oh. Yeah. Whatever, man. I hate it. I know. Like, these, it's whatever, man. And I, that's <laughs> why I'm so surprised. Like, I really, really am truly surprised why they are dragging their feet on weed. Like, why don't they just get into the game? That doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. They could push out, like, every other cannabis supplier. I don't know why they they don't just Monsanto that thing. You know what I mean? And just push everybody out. It just, it doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. That will, there there must be, there must be some kind of timeline that they're working with where they're like, (laughs) let's like burn off our opiate resources or what? I don't know. There's a reason, I'm sure, because they're not stupid. No, not at all. I'm sure. Like years ago, somebody raised it in the border. I'm like, hey, you guys know that Denver or Colorado is legalizing weed. We should get into that business. I mean, yeah, we're certainly not the only people to to bring that up. No, and probably has to do with how much money they make off of criminalization. I'm sure. I don't know. I, I don't know that anybody like puts that on a spreadsheet. But you know that that's baked into their profit margins. I mean, it yeah. it has to be obviously. Yeah. Those prescriptions get sold, period, from yeah. the pharmacist. And and anyway, shame on you, drug companies! Like straight up, <laughs> straight up. And uh, I'm like Mister Super Capitalist, and like fucking shame on you. You are super capitalist, super capitalist man. Um, bum ba da bum. Yeah. That's nuts, man. What else is going on with you before we wrap it up? Anything? No. Chilling. Oh. Yeah. Uh, House on Haunted Hill. That was what was up. It's fucking Not scary. Did I say it, it wrong thing. again? The again, haunting that's of the Hill House. Time. That's Gosh. right. I'm actually probably going to watch the first episode now that you said it was that scary. Yeah. But it's, but it's really... Oh, yeah, yeah. That's why... I, that's why I brought it up. It's really good though because they have a drug addict character and they oh per- good they, yeah they portray um like he he's doing his four step and he's at a meeting and it's actually like decently um portrayed like it's not well yeah now there's a ton of people in recovery that are writing those scripts and like in the room when they're talking be. about that sort of thing you know what I mean yeah got so, to be yeah so that sure. that aspect that's why my mom texted me and she was like you gotta watch it. So, 
that aspect. Shout out, Miss really Miriam. Cool. What's Shout that? out, Miss Miriam. Also, that uh, beautiful boy movie that's coming out. Did you ever read any of those books by Nick Chef? Nah. Nah. Do you read? Can you read? I, uh, no. Ooh, I'm sorry. Sore yeah. subject. My bad. I, <laughs> no, I try to read. Sometimes I really absorb content better like via audiobook. So that's been really cool. The cool thing about living in 2018 is like everything's on audiobook now. So that's pretty dope. Before that's I was true. just like, oh, I'm such a dummy. I don't read. Like I'm not as civilized as all my friends and stuff. But um, I just would rather hear well, it. Well, so. while that is also true, you, 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 you would <laughs> like to hear it. I mean, let's not discount. Don't. Says you know, the LSU were, fan. Whatever, bro. Gee, all right, dude. All right, Mr. Man. <laughs> God. Hey, how about them Saints, though, dog? Six huh? and one, baby. Oh, I don't watch NFL because well, it's full of douchebaggery. But that's cool. Oh, podcast recommendation. And this one comes from Scott Countryman to me. So I will pass it on to you is a gladiator the aaron hernandez story oh i'll probably definitely check that out it he, is he's so like dope. he's the florida he's yeah. a florida gator that we just don't talk about i'm on the know? florida gator episode yeah oh are you y'all yeah. were fucked up bro let me tell you right now y'all dirty no, bro hurt. nah dog yeah dude he was on the national championship it. team he he roomed with tim tebow i know it's crazy it's, i know it's that so crazy? interesting yeah Listen anyway, all right. Um, send us an email. Send us the drugs. That's right. Join our Patreon. Yeah, Patreon th- forward slash Church and Other Drugs. This week, if you want to hear um, my story, and I actually told stuff. I told it in a way I've never told it before. But I picked up my four year chip and I told my story, and I recorded it for you patrons specifically, and I just uploaded that. So if you want to hear that, you know, pop in a dollar, pop in five dollars. And then you can hear tons and tons of bonus episodes. I think I have two stories on there of you, mine. You do one from like two thousand ten. Much better than yours, probably. Yeah. Probably. No, yeah, one of them's from like when I was a year sober, which was from like oh yeah, two thousand and ten. Jeez. I know, cray, cray, cray. All right, well, y'all have a, a, a spooky Halloween. Peace out, Girl Scout.